Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Good morning and welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. My name is Emily Wallace and I've taken the reins today. Um, John is still here. Hi, John. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm very well. And uh, it's great that you're taking the lead because it takes the pressure off me. There you go. I'm not feeling too much pressure just yet, but we'll see how we go. Now, first and foremost, we must shout out to Sean Wellman from Wellman Finance. Um, I actually had a catch up with, with Shawnee on Zoom last week. Did and you really? He is a great man. Yeah, he is a great man. Yes. Yes. So, for any of our listeners needing uh, their finance sorted, perhaps you're thinking about buying and you need to get a pre approval, maybe you already have some finance and you need to refinance, definitely check out Sean and Wellman Finance. The link is in our show notes to send you directly to him. Absolutely. And uh, he's an Essendon man, too, Emily. So, that uh, puts him in high regard for most Essendon supporters around the country. If they follow AFL. Controversy. (laughs) Couldn't it? Yeah, it could. (laughs) So today's topic, now this is across two parts, this particular topic around selling a home. A lot of the time, the content of this podcast is probably more so around buying houses and and property and what to look for. But we're looking on the selling side because it's a really important aspect, particularly for investors who need to work out when to sell. So this is part one of selling a home. And in part two, we're going to have a special guest join us. We are. We are. Yeah. Because both of us probably focus more on the buyer. Well, definitely you do because you're a buyer's agent and and we have a, a buyer's agent service around the country. But as, a, as an investor, we tend to try and acquire properties, not so much sell them, right? Very much so. And and with that, I guess you you make your maximum returns on, on two parts. The purchase price at the time, you know, getting it locked in at a, at a good price and a good level in the market, not overpaying, but even more so you make your money when you sell the property. So that's what we want to deep dive into. Mm. So I guess a question for yourself, John, when you, you know, you're speaking with clients and investors that have been around for a while and they're turning to you for advice and they're thinking, oh, we, we might actually sell one of our investments. What sort of conversations are you having with them around, is now a good time to sell? Yes, yeah, a really good question. And it's a common question because I, I think generally speaking, you should want to sell the property, not need to sell the property, right? If mm. you're needing to sell it, then there is uh, a lot of um, emotion and urgency and and you're selling it because you have to get out of maybe some financial trouble or cash flows an issue. Something's happening where I've got to get out of this thing. So that's not good, especially when we know we focus on buyers. We love those type of people. Um, so we want to sell when we want to, right? Not when we need to. I think the conversation is 
if we want to sell now, we've we've had the the gains as you mentioned. We've bought well. We've had some good gains over time, and now might be a good time to sell because there's a lot of interested parties out in the market. So it might be a a nice warm to hot marketplace. Um, I've, I've had some growth lately, or I've definitely had some over the journey that I've sold it. Uh, I've, I've held it or I've uh, done a development and it's um, just been completed and and I want to sell one of them or all of them at uh, that particular time. So we have the conversation around, is this going to be the right decision for your long-term plan? And if we do sell that now, what's our price point that we're happy to sell it at? Um, taking into account, is a, is a capital gains tax involved? Um, is a selling costs, uh, marketing costs, those sort of things? Uh, but generally making sure that we're, we're selling for the right reasons and not selling prematurely because the tenants trashed the joint or there's been a, a period of vacancies that I can't that I can't put up with so I'm emotionally vested in it and I'm just selling because of those minor issues. Certainly. And look, I think that the mindset around selling, as you mentioned, needs to be a want to sell, not a, not a need to sell. That's really, really important. But you and I both know, and the property nerds out there would also know that listen in, there's so many cycles that occur. And the decision to, you know, say, I want to sell it this year, I think having a broad term potentially, and then looking at the market as to when the optimal time is to sell within that that year, perhaps it's the year that you want to let it go and you want to reinvest or whatever you might want to do with the money. What can we actually look at? What are some key indicators that might tell us that it is perhaps a good time to, to now think about selling and getting ready to, to potentially go on the market? Yeah, that's uh, another very good question. As I mentioned before, ideally we want to be selling in a warm market. So a warm market means the days on market are reducing. People are snapping up property quicker than they were, say, six months, 12 months ago. Um, there's there's a lot of interest at open homes. The auction clearance rates, if it's an auction city, uh, have, have increased. Um, and, and generally, there's a lot of... Um, positive buyer sentiment out there in the in the marketplace. Now, you can look at that and say, well, hang on a minute, maybe I should hold on to it to see how high this growth goes in this particular cycle. But a lot of people generally aren't, aren't that savvy in respect to that. But you, you definitely want to be looking at those days on market reducing. You, you get a, and we're going to, part two will be a guest from an agent and, and no disrespect to agents, but they're wanting to sell your property whenever. Right, um, so you've really got to have that independent uh, thought process to say, well, is it a is it good time to buy uh, so, to sell the property because of the indicators in the market uh, locally in my area? Very much so, and I think you know having a handle on that in in the months leading up to when you're thinking about selling is really important. Keeping your eyes on the days on market and potentially seeing them dropping, which, as you indicated, means a warm market. And also, how competitive is the stock that you have? Because the property that you hold, if there's lots of that type of property, might not be so good throwing that one in the mix. It's more choice for buyers and might not be as interested. Whereas when it's a rarity, and this again happens in cycles too, when we see um, lifestyle trends and property trends as to maybe a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom being more preferable and vice versa. Yeah, and I often get a question from from different people to say, "Well, I want to sell my property," and and the first question I ask back to them is, "Why?" Well, it hasn't had any growth. Mm. 
But That's interesting. Yes. So we look at that and say, well, okay, it's got to be doing two things for me. It's either got to be going up in value and giving me growth um, or it's giving me cash flow. So we first look at, is it giving us one or both of those things? If the answer is no to both of them, then we probably uh, have to think seriously about flicking the property on. However, if we're wanting to sell that and, and everyone else, as you mentioned, has that same type of property as me and it's in a market where there's an oversupply, do I sell right now in that oversupplied market or do I see myself through that market until things calm down uh, again and maybe get a realistic sale price? Definitely. I think probably a commonality across many investors is when a tenant vacates, you know, maybe they give a notice or the lease is up, they kind of pose a question, well, it's a vacant property now, should we sell? What would be your general uh, advice to someone that that happens to? Because I imagine it happens quite commonly. The property's vacant. We could get it styled potentially. Uh, we can get people through very easily. The tenant's not going to cause us any dramas. What sort of window do you think people should be given in that space to see if it is worth selling before potentially maybe going back on the rental market? Yeah. Now, I like to talk to the agent and, and say to them, look, have a chat to your existing database about my property. I've got a property that's potentially coming onto the market. It's not listed, but here it is. Uh, is there any interest from the internal database that they've got? Now, if it's a well-known, respected agent that's got a pretty sizable database, generally you'll get an indicator from that as to whether there's uh, there's a chance or not. Um, mm. I've done that previously and and thought, no, nah, actually there's not enough interest. I'm just going to get a tenant back in and keep it um, for, for the general future. So I, I think that's an indicator to look at the internal database before going and spending a thousand, two thousand dollars on on advertising and marketing. Uh, because remember, you've also got that selling cost of the the agent's fee. So if it's a five hundred thousand dollar property, two percent, ten grand plus your marketing, you probably it's a twelve to thirteen k uh, exercise. Um, so you don't want to get that wrong. You want to make sure that um, that you are selling for the right reasons. I suppose is the main thing. Certainly. Something um, interesting that I'd like to share on that part uh, is um, I personally, I don't know if you ever get this in, in your uh, pocket of the world, but I've actually had prospective vendors contact me directly because they're actually bypassing the agent completely, right? Yes. Now, I don't know it's the most savviest thing to do in that it's a smart idea approaching a buyer's advocate who has qualified buyers and it could marry up. Yes. However, um, Real estate agents are going to be speaking to a lot more buyers than myself as an individual, you know, buyer's agent who's who's looking at particular properties. Have you ever had experience with vendors approaching you directly, or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think definitely the the newer stuff where someone's finished a development, they know that we've got potential buyers, and they've they've got three in the complex that they want to sell, and and they they contact us. Um, the odd person does come direct to us because we know we have that database, um, as do agents, obviously. Uh, that's an interesting one. I I think I look at that and say, well, this is easy pickings. I'm going to bargain down to, to make sure that my client's going to pay for it what they should be at a, at a discount. Is that, uh, is that mm -hmm. what you feel when you get that phone call? Uh, it's interesting. I A bit of both. Sometimes 
the and this is a generalization but sometimes the mentality of someone who wants to bypass any fees usually pretty firm on their price because they want to maximize their money right yes. so you would think that at the very least it would be roughly 1.5 to 2% cheaper because they're not out you know, laying that fee of the agent's commission. That's right. Sometimes what I find though is they're an uneducated seller who thinks their property is worth a lot more than what it is yes. and it actually is tricky. It is harder to negotiate because you don't have a level-headed industry leader telling them, hang on, your property's not worth 550 It's more like a 480 Yeah. So it, it can go both ways, I have found. Yeah, you're right. There, and, and I suppose having an agent in the middle – also gives you that middle point reference where you don't have to deal direct with the person you're negotiating with. So you're going through a third party, which is is sometimes gets a, a better result. You're, you're maybe a little bit more confident to put in lower offers, etc. cetera. Um, but I think generally speaking, in my 20 years of investing, I've I rarely get people come to me saying, I should have sold that property sooner. Mm. But That's they, such a valid point. But they do say, I should have held on to that property longer because <laughs> <laughs> I sold it when I thought I'd already made a gain. But if I, so- I sold it 10 years later, I would have made another half a million dollars. I, I get that way more often. Um, and it, I, th- I think generally over time, property works, people don't. People make the mistakes of buying, uh, sorry, selling prematurely, um, not necessarily buying not buying at the right time, although that's critical, it's um, it's selling prematurely because of something short-sighted that they just couldn't get their head around, i.e. tenant moved out, tenant wrecked the joint, um, long vacancies, those sort of things that we touched on before. So yeah, I just think generally speaking, if you've got a thought about selling a property and it's, um, and it's giving you a bit of grief, look at the long-term picture and, and say, well, understand the why you bought that property in the first place and and what you can do to get over that short-term hurdle so that it can work for you in the next 10 years either in the way of cash flow or in in capital growth definitely i think one thing we speak about in the industry is buyer's remorse but there's certainly seller's remorse too you know that 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 idea of i wish i held on to it longer sounds quite regretful yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, totally. Well, when you see the dollars and it's, I think I haven't had too much experience with shares, but um, that's a perfect example when you, you you check the shares that you've sold five years ago and see what they are now uh, can be quite frightening sometimes. Don't do it to it? yourself. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, that's why I don't delve into shares too much because you can see it every day. It does my head in. So, so generally speaking, what other things do we need to think about do you think when if you're thinking about selling a property or we've decided that we want to sell a property? I think the biggest thing, the people underestimate that the marketing that goes into a property is actually what sells the property. If you've got a property that, that you're wanting to sell, obviously, and we deep dive more into the agent side of things in part two, but the marketing involved, if people don't know your property's for sale, how's it going to be sold? The more people that know, the more competitive you get with the buyers, the more chance you have of getting a really high price. And it baffles me in speaking to many real estate agents that vendors want to cheap out on the marketing side of the property. Yes. It just makes not a lot of sense to me. And I know um, you know, our, our episode last week was around property styling, 
which is another huge element of it. I just, I don't know, maybe someone can explain to me why people cheap out on market. Why would you do that? I know. And I've been guilty of it myself. I don't do it these days, but uh, like that example of property styling, like to spend one or two K to make another 10 or 20 or 30 or even more is pure economics and no brainer, isn't it? So yeah, I, I think um, I agree. You, you marketing's well spent as long as you've got uh, the, the marketing arrangements in, in good hands. So choosing that real estate agent is uh, is also important part of it, isn't it? And, and understanding just how they market your property, where, where they're going to focus, uh, what, what sort of database they've got internally, because a lot of that properties can be sold before it's even listed. Um, oh, 100%. You know what I think a lot of people do is they actually go back, they default to the agent who sold them the property. Yes. Now, I don't know that's the smartest idea. Don't get me wrong. That agent could be amazing, could be great. But don't be lazy and just default to the agent who sold you the property in the first instance because they did a good job in selling it to you. Do your research. Do some groundwork. Go and attend. I always recommend go and attend some open homes and watch how the agents interact with the buyers because that ultimately is going to be what makes your property sell well is when the agents are well received by the buyers. If the buyers feel like the agent is up against them or they're not a good communicator or they're too salesy, it actually can make them feel like, I don't want to deal with that agent. I really don't want to buy that property because I've got a bad feeling. Totally. So do some market research. Get out there on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. The only exception I would say with using that agent again for a second time when you sell is if there are the really savvy agents out there and and the guy who we're having on the next episode is one of those, Mm. they'll be uh, contacting you long after they've generated income from you. So every six months, Emily, how are you going with that property? I sold you everything going okay. You're looking at doing any investing, anything I can help with, sing out if you need, how's your property management going? All those sort of touch points Mm. mean that in two years, three years' time, you will – that, that agent will be front of mind, won't they? But generally speaking, no disrespect to agents, but a lot of them probably uh, won't be continuing that um, that conversation with you. So you're right. You do need to look at those agents in the area that are doing it well, um, how they relate to people at open homes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there's plenty of websites out there now that that rate and Rate My Agent is one of them. That's a mm. pretty good website that uh, can't be – um, skewed with in any way. You can't push yourself up the listings on that. It's it's basically consumer-based rating. So check that out as a, as maybe a starting point. So yeah, any, any finishing notes on thoughts of selling a property? Uh, just one final thought on the costs associated with it. Um, and again, we will deep dive in part two, but the agent's commission or the way it's structured in regards to your sales outcome, and we'll talk about the different types in part two, but don't get too fixated on cheaping down on that that commission because anybody can do a job cheaply. Will they do it well? Mm, maybe, maybe not. And I just don't think that's where you should be cheaping out on, on your cost of trying to cut back your expenditure to get the property sold correctly and get the best outcome for you. I know a lot of people do try and negotiate down on yeah, those commissions. That's a really good point too. And and um, on that, I would also, with the, in regards to sales appraisals, Emily's selling a house and five agents have given you appraisals and there's one that's come in 200 grand above 
everyone else? Do we go with that agent or do we go with someone that's middle middle of the road? Definitely. And you know what I think? Doing your research before you even hit that point, you should know what the appraisal should roughly come in. If, you, if you've done enough research, yes. roughly come in. The one that's got the, the highest ticket price for you, obviously your eyes turn to dollar signs. And <laughs> yes. You're like, yes, I definitely – I don't want that one. I want that one. I want that price. Yes. Uh, there's a reason they've put it up 200000 extra than the rest of them because they want your business. Yes. And then they're going to have to have conversations with you four weeks down the track actually maybe your property's not worth as much as we thought in the first place yeah, uh, the, and we need the, to lower the market wasn't what I thought it was going to be etc yeah <laughs> so they're they're, they're uh, backtailing a little bit but uh, mm. yeah agents are still our friends because we're, we're getting one on next uh, <laughs> next session very much our so. friends we're just we're just highlighting all areas of agents yes that's right and and if you talk to them they would uh, they would say the same thing but be their friend I don't think there's any positives of uh, of going to an open home and not talking to them and not interacting because that's as you said how you get to feel uh which agent's going to be best suited for you definitely so in in summary of what we've spoken about so far don't sell out of a need sell out of a want to sell make sure you're doing your research and don't just sell because the tenants finished up their lease you know is it actually a good time to be selling and i think uh Thirdly, the selection of the agent and going through the selling process is, is vital in getting that correct in maximising your sale price, which we'll obviously unpack in a lot more detail when we speak to Marcus in part two of Selling Your Home. Absolutely. That's great, Emily. It's been fun. Yes. So much fun. <laughs> so if they want to reach out to you, Emily, what are they doing? If they want to reach out to me, I mean, you can always follow me on Instagram. You'll get plenty of property content on there, Emily underscore Wallace underscore BA. And I've been tagging you, John, in my Instagram content and you've been sharing it. I so have. Where well, can the people find you on the Insta? Sorry, my marketing team's been sharing it. I, 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 uh, try, <laughs> I try not to John. get too, too involved in that. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, so solwarewealth.com.au on Instagram. I don't know. I think I'm... John Pigeon or something. <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> Whatever it Actually, is. just importantly though, um, just quickly, people who are listening to this who are in the investment space and maybe they are having that conversation around um, is now a good time to sell, how can people uh, – you have people to reach out to you directly for a phone call? Can they book in to have a chat with you? What does that look like? Yeah, so a common one that we do is a clarity call. So someone says, well, I want to – sell a house or I'm thinking about it. What do you think I should do? What sort of market are we in? So that's a a very common clarity call that we do. Another one is, are we going to buy a home to live in or are we going to invest? That's a really common one. So essentially, if someone's got roadblocks or um, short-termers that they need to overcome or someone to bounce off from a third party, we we do those. So just on our website, solvewealth.com.au, they can book in for a, for a clarity call um, or our online academy, something that they can work through at their own time, at their own pace um, across all subjects relating to general property investing and finance cash flow goal setting etc that's awesome and i've seen some great feedback about that course in the facebook page and if you're listening and you're not on the facebook page you should definitely be in the facebook group uh, my millennial money go and check it out um, and you'll get inside information if you're in that group it's a special group Yes, it is a very special group with lots and lots of people in it that um, some of them are even smarter than us. Well, me anyway. Uh, And myself as well. (laughs) I saw you posted a LinkedIn uh, announcement that you are now co-host of our property podcast, which is fantastic. 
I did. As a yes, resu- actually got good views that one. Oh, I was I just got about good to say off that post. I uh, hope maybe there's some listeners who found us through LinkedIn. Maybe I, I'm not sure, but well, yes, we've got artwork. We're official. We are, and as a result of that, I got about 35 new LinkedIn requests. So <laughs> thank you very much for that. Um, really appreciate it. <laughs> Not a worry at all. Hashtag influencer. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Just hang around. Her. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, part two to come next week. Keep posted, our friends, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Emily. Bye-bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash m3. If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.